Okay. Welcome to What the F is Going On in Latin America and the Caribbean, Code Pink's weekly YouTube program of hot news out of the region. In partnership with Friends of Latin America, Massachusetts Peace Action, and Task Force on the Americas, we broadcast every Wednesday, 4.30 p.m. Pacific, 7.30 p.m. Eastern on Code Pink YouTube Live. Tonight is a very special episode broadcasting on Thursday. Look for us next week on Wednesday. Today's episode is Honduras Elects a New Future Part Two. And I'm so excited to say this is part two because our audience uh, was able to see part one in November as part of the election process in November. And tonight we're gonna talk about um, Xiomara Castro's actual inauguration. So this is part two of Hondurans electing a new government for themselves. So let me just introduce the program to all of you. Um, Honduran saw Xiomara Castro sworn in as their country's first female president Thursday, January 27, a week ago today, um, amid a sea of waving flags in the national stadium. Castro blasted the departing administration for leaving her a heavily indebted country where poverty and a lack of opportunity have driven hundreds of thousands of Hondurans to migrate in recent years. She said, my government will not continue the vortex that has condemned generations of young people to pay the debt taken on behind their backs. We have the duty to restore the economic sector on the basis of transparency, efficiency, production, social justice, wealth distribution, and national revenue. High unemployment, persistent violence, corruption, and troubled healthcare and educational systems are just some of the pressing challenges inherited by the new government. But the people have liberated themselves from 12 years of a US coup installed national party rule. Joining the conversation today is my good friend, dear friend, Lucy Pagawada Quesada, who is a teacher, coordinator of D19 Libre US Canada, and a co-host of Voices of Resistance broadcasting on WBAI New York City, Sundays at 1 p.m., which I'm always so grateful to be a host on her program, a uh, guest on her program. And now you're and a guest. Sometimes get, and sometimes host. <laughs> Once in a while, a co-host <laughs> too. So I'm so happy that um, I'm so happy that you can be my guest this evening because we have such a historic and special uh, special event to talk about. So, so welcome, Lucy. I should tell our audience that um, Lucy and I were both um, at Xiomara Castro's inauguration a week ago today, which is so hard to believe. It's, uh, I will also say we were both in Honduras in November for the Jan November 27 elections. And so it's a very, very rare and special opportunity to talk with all of you tonight to actually have been an international election observer and then to be invited back. For, for the presidential inauguration is a very, is a huge honor and a very rare experience. And so I'm so happy to have Lucy with us today to talk about all of this. So welcome, Lucy. Thank you so much. And um, as you can see, I'm feeling very happy, I'm excited. Um, I feel like, I feel very light, like, you know, my, my body, my, my soul, my mind, still so light now because um you know for 12 years we carried on the the heaviness of the violence of uh, the coup in 2009 against president Celaya and since uh, we haven't stopped fighting back to reverse the coup and incredibly just like the Bolivians were able to do it in one year we were able to do it in 12 years and you know just like the Chileans 
uh, did it in 40 years. And so every country does it in their own time, but I don't think it matters, you know, how long does it take as long if we are able to bring justice and democracy back to our countries, which is really what we needed in Honduras. And uh, this is how we met, Betty. this is how we met. We met on the streets, yeah. we met fighting. It is no coincidence that you were there for the elections and that you came back for the inauguration of our first female president, our commandanta, commander-in-chief, Xiomara Castro, because you're in the struggle with, with all of us. You know, this is how we met, uh, always fighting for justice, uh, self-determination, you know, self, uh, uh, the respect for sovereignty of our countries, particularly in Latin America. So you're, you're part of this process. And I, I'm so happy that um, I've been able to struggle together with you, with Medea, with Andrea, with uh, Sonia Umansur in uh, in Washington, you know Jill Clark and all of our compañeras, because I feel that our resistance, particularly in Latin America, is a resistance of women. It is no coincidence that Xiomara Castro is actually uh, our president because um, the Honduran resistance is is also uh, mostly female. So you know, it, during the coup, it was the women that came out first and and started hitting hitting the militaries, you know, they were carrying weapons while the women were carrying their, their bags and they were hitting the militaries, telling them to go back to, um, to, their, to, to their places because the streets were not their places and definitely not um, repressing the people, hitting and, and uh, insulting and, and raping and, and killing the people. That was not part of, of, their, of their job. Although we know that the military in Honduras is, is a repressive military, just like the police. And I always say, you know, the police and the military in Honduras only serve the purpose, three purposes. It is to repress, to kill, and to disappear our people, unfortunately. So we're hoping for um, better times in Honduras. Uh, we know it's a very challenging, it's gonna be a very challenging government. Uh, but Xiomara, it's amazing. She has so much experience, political and social as well, because she is also a woman. She's a fighter, just like you and me, just like the women of Honduras. You know, she was in the streets. She she fought against um, the military. Um, you know, when they were out there repressing the people. So Xiomara uh, came uh, from the presidential house, the streets to the polls, back to the presidential house. This is how it has been. And I was so happy, Teddy, to, to go back last week to the presidential house and be received uh, like just another another uh, Honduran citizen because during the time of President Celaya, this is how it was. The presidential house was the house of the people. So I felt like going back and- um, We were going back home. <laughs> yes, it, it was just amazing. But you know, there's a lot uh, to be said about how the presidential house is now. Uh, everything has to be rebuilt, reconstruct the whole country, the presidential house, our democratic system, and everything that was destroyed by the coup and and the narco dictatorship, which we should add, the narco dictatorship headed yes, by yes, the National yes. Party. <laughs> so let's talk, can you give the audience just a brief background? What happened in June of two thousand nine, and and what and you know shrouded you and your people for twelve years. Nonstop. And when reminder. I say nonstop, Daddy, I mean nonstop. And you know, it was yeah. 24-7, 24-7 in every aspect that we could, whether it was denouncing what was going on in Honduras, the repression uh, that erupted in the country after the coup, a country that became completely militarized and violence. There was a time of 2012 after the coup that the New York Times declared Honduras the most violent country in the world and San Pedro Sula being the most violent city. 
we're talking about uh, hundreds of people being murdered uh, weekly. And you know, this were, this were all sectors of Honduran society from professionals like lawyers, teachers, um, uh, human rights defenders, students, peasants, women, LGBT community, um, the, the original people in Honduras, indigenous, Garifunas, because everyone, everyone came out against the coup. This is what made it so incredible because this was not just a coup in which we stayed silent. The, the coup actually brought us all out inside Honduras and outside Honduras. I remember taking to the streets the, was the very first same coup thing in Latin America in like 30 years. years. It was the um, first overt coup in 30 years that and it was sponsored by the Obama yes, administration. We had yeah. had we had had the hate the Haiti the Haiti coup. Yeah. You have to remember the Haiti coup. That's true, yeah. But in the Spanish speaking world, you mean in the Spanish speaking world, yeah. it was the first and it was actually the beginning of uh, an era of uh, military coups in Latin America uh, that were intended to attack and counterattack ALBA, the Alternative, Bolivarian yes. Alternative for the Americas, uh, which, which actually, you know, was working towards the integration of, of the American continent. And also Petrocaribe, which was a big thing, you know, the exchange of oil for goods between Venezuela and Honduras. And, um, you know, the fact that President Zelaya started looking south. And mm -hmm. let's not forget that... Um, yeah. In 2009, in May of 2009, President Celaya signed um, before the OAS for Cuba to be integrated. Yeah. And Hillary Clinton has said, don't do it. Because if you do it, it's like you're signing your, your death sentence. Of course, no one, no one believed her, right? But she meant it. She meant it because Hillary Clinton took it very personal. She took it very personal. And uh, this is not just the coup of President Obama. This is also the coup of um, Secretary of State Hillary Clinton. I always say, you know, that I always say it in the introduction, in the introduction of our radio program, Voices of Resistance. I always say that this was a coup of Obama and it was a coup of Hillary Clinton because um, this was a coup against uh, 21st century socialism and the proximity of of President Zelaya with uh, President Hugo Chavez. So this was also a coup against President Hugo Chavez yes. and the Troika mm -hmm. resistance, you know, Nicaragua mm -hmm. and Cuba. So that's how we took it. We took it as it was an attack uh, to the entire region because we were so happy that this was the, the times of the, of the pink tide and everybody was so celebratory of everything that was going on from Chavez to Correa to Evo, you know, uh, the Kishners. Um, Cuba, Nicaragua, these were beautiful times for Latin America. And we also feel that the United States um, attacked Honduras because it was like the, the weakest link within Latin America. You know, it was, it's a very impoverished country. And it is, it is a country that has been historically been dominated by the US military. Let's not forget that the largest military base uh, in Central America is actually in Honduras, you know, the, the house of the, yeah. of the Southern Command, of the, the Southern Commander in, in Palmerola. Ironically, the airport that we are landing in now, right, in Palmerola, yeah. it gives me the chills when I go to Palmerola. It really gave me the chills. And do yeah. you know that I saw, I saw the military plane that, that was actually bringing Kamala Harris's um, security cars? 
Um, I wow. saw it when I was landing in uh, in Palmerola when we were landing with the delegation on um, January 25th. We saw this this intimidating, huge, horrible uh, military plane, but we thought, oh, well, this is a U.S. military base. It must be just another military car, a military plane. Then, then later, I saw a night in the news that these were the, two other planes that were bringing Kamala's, um, Kamala Harris's, um, you know, security cars into Honduras. It was 12 of them, they said. How many I cars do you need I... to feel safe? <laughs> I, I asked myself. <laughs> Think of what it takes. I mean, think of what that means for what that means, that the vice president of the United States has to travel. Unfortunately, sadly, that's the image that the U.S. provokes, that you have to have that sort of that sort of security. There was no one else invited on that level internationally that needed that type of security. Yeah, You saw it. And you saw the dogs, and you saw the militaries, and you saw the military, the military jeeps coming into the uh, into the uh, the stadium, and and, you know, knowing knowing that this is this is our government uh, in such an intimidatory level, and not only that, knowing that these are my tax my tax money, it made me very very uneasy. It made me very uneasy, but I had to be nice because that was Yamara's inauguration, so I couldn't. (laughs) I had to I had to be nice. Everybody but... was extraordinarily well behaved on inauguration day. Every everybody of from all countries got a, a very very warm welcome from all of your people. Some clearly got a more uh, grandiose welcome, <laughs> but no one got a negative. Well, maybe Kamala Harris. <laughs> well, Kamala Harris Kamala Harris does receive the message, you know, and it was like a big wave at the stadium. And what they were telling her is to take hope. Take Juan Orlando Hernandez with, with you. Now it's no longer Fuera Ho. Now it's take Ho with you. Take Ho with you, right? They want her to take yeah, Ho yeah. away from Honduras. Yeah. <laughs> They're a narco dictator. Let's and the people about, know, the people know too, the people know too well, people know and, you know. Well, you suffered for 12 years under that national party rule and him specifically, you know, and, be, you know, his brother's in prison for narco trafficking and he's been, you know, named as co-conspirator number four. So um, not, you know, and that's a whole, that's a whole nother episode for us to talk about the narco dictatorship. <laughs> yes, that what's going to happen with the, with the U.S. narco dictator in Honduras? We're trying to figure that one out. Hmm. What's going to happen to him? Amnesty. Somewhere, Miami, maybe. You know, who? Well, did you did you hear about did you hear about the letter that uh, Bob Menendez sent to President Biden today, asking that he needs to declare Juan Orlando Hernandez a capo of narco trafficking because of the accusation that he has in uh, in the Southern Court in New York, and also that he needs to remove his visa and declare him as a as a narco. Wow. Mm-hmm. That happened to wow. them. Oh, wow. Well, that's that's news. I hadn't seen that. Wow. Mm-hmm. Well, it's accurate. It's accurate. It is. It and is. I can't and, even we hope, how- and we hope they mean it, you know, because we're tired of like, um, you know, people asking, you know, Congress men and women and senators asking the executive to do something and they never do anything about their, their thugs in, in Latin America. So we hope they... We hope they mean it. Well, so what you did was you got rid of them and you got, and the Honduran people got rid of them on your own and you did it in peaceful means and you did it via constitutional means, which is a huge story in and of itself. Um, and the years of organizing that it took to pull that, to make that happen 
and you tried before and the, and the elections have been, were manipulated uh, by the US, by the OAS, by all sorts of- uh, The US foreign, Embassy. <laughs> US Embassy <laughs> declaring the president, yes. <laughs> before twice, the official, twice, I mean, calling Juan, or, Juan Hernandez the new president, right? Yeah. Crazy. yeah, before the count was even done. So this is- And Teddy, so Teddy, before we move forward uh, from the cool conversation, because it is really what has brought us here, right? The, the yes. cool and the, yes. the process, uh, the amazing organizing process of the Honduran people um, in the United States, in Honduras, in Europe, different parts of Latin America, because we're, we're all over the place. And from all over the place, we- we kept going with this struggle. And I don't want to forget uh, to mention that in this struggle, we lost thousands of lives, yes. that there are so many martyrs, uh, people who uh, were killed because of uh, their fighting. And um, among them, you know, our environmentalist indigenous um, leader, Berta Cáceres, and, and so many other leaders that were also murdered. And let's not forget too that the deepening of the social, economic, and political crisis in Honduras that uh, the coup produced is what made Honduras an exporter of caravans, human caravans. The the tragic um, yeah. images that we all that we all have seen on, on TV and, and on social media of uh, hundreds and sometimes thousands of families uh, in caravans walking to the United States to find asylum or refugee or simply leave Honduras because uh, prior to, to the victory of Xiomara and the Libre Party and the coalition that came together uh, to guarantee the success that we needed, the definite success that we needed to get the narco dictatorship out of, out of power, um, you know, people had no hope this is why now, and they left, they, they left, they had nothing else to lose. They felt like they lost everything and they, they, they left. Uh, entire families, uh, pregnant women, children, unaccompanied children. So Honduras became a, a tragedy um, that we could see it was, it was perceivable. It was no longer something that um, the narco dictatorship could hide, neither the United States. And I think that part of why the United States uh, is not at this moment uh, pressuring to or or stop the the victory of Xiomara as they had done before is because they don't want to deal with the with the what they call their immigrant crisis or their immigrant problem, right? So they realize that they created this problem and they don't want to be seen by the world as this country that uh, is not only creating these uh, caravans because of the instability in Honduras and, and, and the, the incredible poverty and the lack of any level of opportunity. But now they have to deal with the problem here in their borders or they have to deal with the Mexican government so that they can try to get other governments to do for them. And so it really became a, a, a chaos for the United States. And, and we feel that uh, the reason why uh, the United States is, is more, um, I don't even, receptive, if that's a word, I don't even know what word to, to look for because it is very hard to put words to what is going on. Uh, it is simply because they really want to contain the, the yeah. problem with immigration. So I wanted to put that out there because uh, we have had direct uh, cost, direct consequences to 
the impact that the coup had and we're trying to rebuild our country now. This is why we called the Xiomara government, the government of hope and, re and rebuilding. Esperanza. Mm -hmm. It really, I mean, it really, um, it's going to be, as you mentioned earlier, it's it's not an easy road ahead. It's, there's, there's so much uh, damage that's been done to the country and to the people, to the, to the environment, to the economy, to the public institutions. It's all just been destroyed by a U.S.-backed government that was really looking to open up uh, natural resources to uh, transnational corporations and human resources as well. The labor and the, and the, the water and the hydroelectric dams, all, all of it is just a really... Um, a, a terrible story of U.S. imposed neoliberalism, just a really, and militarism, or neoliberalism via militarism. And it's just so, I I will share with you, I'm so sorry that we didn't see each other in Tegucigalpa, but I just want to reach out and hug you now. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah. <laughs> you told me too, because it, when you were so busy, I was so busy. You know, uh, I took a delegation of um, 27 members Oh, of wow. Libre uh, Militancy, as well as um, leaders of the social movements here in the United States, people that have accompanied us throughout these years. And not everybody, but some people, you know, that were, were able to come and had the time and, and the resources to come to Honduras in this very special moment, in the, in, the, in the little time that we had to prepare because it was not that much time. We had like a month no, to prepare yeah. for a delegation and that was a lot of work, but it was beautiful. And, and we're gonna give some reports back. So be on the, on the watch out for the report back of uh, our delegation because we, we had a great time. It was amazing. Some people had been in Honduras before uh, throughout the process. Some people had been, you know, during the coup and they were going back in victory. So some people had never been to Honduras, so the delegation was mixed. It was, it had yeah, different which kinds is, of Which is good, yeah. You'll have some really good good um, reporting to share with, with, with the U.S. audience. It's very, um, I will say I was in Nicaragua prior, early January for Daniel Ortega's Ooh. inauguration, which was a true honor as well. Um, having been to the, the Nicaraguan uh, presidential elections in November and then on to Honduras. And I arrived in uh, Tegucigalpa Saturday, what was that, the 22nd, the 23rd, when Xiomara had called for a vigil at the Congreso Nacional because of this rift <laughs> that happened. Thursday night, Thursday. Yes. Uh, so that would have been what the 2020th, Thursday, the 20th. So a week, a week mm -hmm. before the inauguration and everyone was really sitting on pens, pins and needles since November 27th, the elect, election day as to what was gonna happen, if anything, to impede her, uh, her presidency. And so we saw, why don't you share with the audience some of what, what we saw unfold within the Congress right before the inauguration. Well, one of the most amazing um, expressions of uh, Xiomara's uh, government is that it is really a government of the people. Yes. And whenever yeah. she calls the people, the people are there to support her in every way. So the split that happened, the, 
sudden and very unexpected split that happened within Libre with these 20 members of Congress that decided that they weren't going to uh, respect the agreement that was made between the Libre Party and El PSH, Partido Salvador de Honduras, which is the other party uh, that um, we came together just like in 2017 and formed this, this um and, and formed this alliance, right? That helped us get into power on November 20, uh, 28, 2021. So it, it, for us, it was an automatic thing that everybody was going to respect the agreement because we, we signed the agreement prior to the elections. So we, we really didn't understand why these 20 members of Congress, once they, they, they had won the elections, they decided to come together and not respect the agreement. And they even took it a little further and decided that they were going to propose their own candidate to be the president of Congress. And this is where the split happened. And all of this is happening while we are all preparing for the inauguration day, which made everybody tense. It made everybody nervous, you know, anxiety. We, we didn't know what was going to happen. And we didn't even think we were going to have someone to, to swear Xiomara into power, right, at the, uh, at the stadium. So all of that situation kept us in a lot of anxiety, in a lot of tension. And this tension is still going on. Uh, but, you know, we feel that eventually, this is going to be resolved because at the end of the day, it's all about the people of Honduras and, and these, these, these Congress people, they have to understand that it's not about their personal gains or their personal wills. This is not what they want, it's what the people of Honduras need. And this is what we're working towards. So Xiomara is making every single possibility to make sure that these people understand that is really not about them, that is really about the people of Honduras. So we are working with, with the new Congress, you know, the, the official Congress, the Congress that, that, that Xiomara- that's the Zoom press. Yeah, so what happened was that in order for Xiomara to, the day that, that she called um, the people to come to Congress, she did it because she wanted to make sure that everyone understood that her government was really a government of the people and that she was going to respect whatever the people said and if they if she called them to support what she the agreement she had made with the other party and the other parties right the the coalition the coalition yeah if the people supported her that means that meant that everybody needs to come together and and support the agreement and and she got it thousands of people came right and they slept they slept overnight. They stayed overnight. Yes, they did. They pitched tents at the I was there. I didn't spend the night there, but I saw everybody pitching their tents, planning to stay until We saw it. It was like the people were eating there. They were dancing. But the yeah. interesting thing is that it was not a sad, it was not a sad uh, no. protest. It was a happy protest because people were celebrating and what they were saying is listen congressmen and congresswomen, we voted for you. You knew what the agreement was, so you better respect it. And they, they got scared. They got scared. They left the Congress. Yeah. They went away and they did their own little parallel Congress somewhere else that, you know, it's, it's like, we call it the white, we started calling them the white dos of Honduras because they, <laughs> they still proclaimed themselves as the new, the new Congress and everything. And it was really bad because that was, that was a de facto, that was a de facto act, you know, that they shouldn't have, um, 
violated or disrespected the people's will. Because when we voted, I voted here in the United States, we voted knowing that this agreement had already happened. So no one has the right to break up that agreement. No one has the right, no one. Because we voted and the people knew that this was going to happen. So- And people vote, I mean, the, the Libre Party didn't just win the presidency, but you know these seats in Congress and, and mayoralships and local government as well, by a huge majority. It was not a close election in November. It wasn't. It was truly the will of the people and Honduran citizens voting for a distinct change, a new future for yourselves. And, and to so, get rid of the and to get rid of the narco dictatorship. Yes. And 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 you know, this is why other people came together with us too as Libre. We understand that we are the strongest party, we are the largest party, we are the great majority, but the, the support that the other parties gave us too, uh, just to get rid of the, of the dictatorship, that was important and we need to value that and we need to honor that because it was also the will of those other people as well. You know, yeah. they're all Hondurans, we need to honor that. So that's what the agreement was. It was really an agreement that needs to be honored because that was the agreement of the people. We knew when we went to, to vote that this agreement was in place. So it is no one's place to um, to disrespect it. Because See, this is, it is disrespecting this is the, people. the will of the people. And this comes up on your radio show Sundays quite often and, and on, on um, our Code Pink YouTube program as well, that this will of the people, the importance of labor, social and solidarity movements on the ground in community, continuing to build a narrative, to build a party, to build, you know, uh, national sovereignty and all those things on the ground in community. And this is why it's so necessary because on, on Saturday the 22nd, when Chiamara called for that vigil at the National Congress, it, there were thousands of people that mobilized, you know, so quickly. And it was, as you said, it was very peaceful. And it was people saying, this is how we voted. This is what we want. And we're not going home. We're pitching our tents. We're spending the night. We are not ceding any ground to anyone questioning this huge historical win, not just at the presidential level, but at the congressional level as well. And it, it was a really- In mayor level too, we have to remember mayor, yes. that uh, in Tegucigalpa, for example, we got rid yes. of, the, of the historic narco dictatorship um, mayor that was th was there for thirty years. The National Party was was um, heading the 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 was mayor of um, of Tegucigalpa for thirty years, and we got rid of that. And the same thing happened in San Pedro Sula, the two main cities. We also got you know um, our coalition uh, won uh, both in in Tegucigalpa and and in San Pedro. The, the mayor office. So that's important too. We, we made incredible gains in this process that it, it needs to be respected. The people knew very yeah. well what they were doing. They knew exactly who they were voting for. And this is why we defend our vote because we knew if this was a very conscious decision that the people of Honduras made to decide who was going to be their president, to decide who was going to be their mayors, how we were going to get rid of these, you know, old national party uh, corrupt mayors, both in San Pedro Sula and in Tegucigalpa. So it, it, it is a lot that is at stake. And this is why, you know, if we don't respect the agreement, then we're going to start respecting the process and we don't have to afford that. We just can't. Yeah. Well, there, there goes any sort of constitutional government. <laughs> yeah. Mm. So 
you and I were at the inauguration a week ago today. I will just say for me on a very personal level, I, I was just in tears walking in there and seeing that sea of red and the seating around the, you know, the circumference of the stadium. It, I mean, it literally was a sea of red, of Libre Party flags. It was very, very, uh, very, very powerful, very emotional, and also so wonderful. And I will just share this with you as my friends. So wonderful to be in Honduras and see people happy. I, you know, that alegria that was in the air. I, I will tell you, I have never been in Honduras with that feeling that is so Latin, that is so unique to Mesoamerica and the Caribbean and that, that part of the, of the hemisphere, especially that, that to just feel that in Honduras with that feeling that's been absent for so very, very long, it was really very powerful very moving and, and you just so happy, so happy for all of you. <laughs> same, you know, it, it is the same feeling because um, we, we, had a, a, we had a surreal experience. As soon as we walked into Palmerola, we, we came out of the airport, we were received by, the, by a special commission of our, of our president, Xiomara Castro. They were there waiting for us. And as soon as we walked out, they were like, oh, are you part of a delegation? We're like, we're the, 19, the D19 delegation. And they just celebrated us getting there. And I, will, and I started crying. Everybody started crying of happiness yeah. because in the past, you know, throughout all these 12 years of militarization of the country, when you walked into the airport, all you saw were these little soldiers with those huge guns yeah. and you knew you were walking almost into a war zone. And every time you felt intimidated because there were military um, police and there was the military everywhere. The country was completely militarized. So you always felt afraid and you always felt threatened and you always felt nervous. And this time around, it was just like, and I, and I, um, I was interviewed. I was interviewed by HSCH, which is, uh, which is, you know, is a, is a conservative um, corporate media TV station there, but they, they were happy to see us. So they were like, do you want to give us an interview? And I was like, of course, I mean, I'll give you an interview. So I started being interviewed. They wanted to know, why are you here coming from the United States with a delegation to, um, you know, uh, for the inauguration of Semana Castro? I said, you know, because we, we, we've been part of the process for 12 years and, and the most amazing thing was, was this, this way in which we were received with so much love yeah. and so much happiness yeah. and so much appreciation. I said, you know, in the past, I, I, you know, today I feel like they were, they were throwing roses and, um, and flowers at us when in the past I had to face the military and the police and um, be in tear gas and um, being thrown water and just being feeling intimidated by the police and and the military is such a scary thing you know that um I felt that this was never gonna end in Honduras like this was like I had to get used to that every time I went and going back and and feeling the complete opposite of that it was just I still have to get used to it because in, we have internalized 
the violence in our country. Yeah. And, and we have yeah. to be like, you know, every time it's almost like you need to get used to this new reality. But it is so beautiful that yeah. it's so easy to get used to it. So we went to a restaurant and all of a sudden it was just so amazing that there was no military, there was no police. And we all just started dancing. Like everybody started oh, dancing, okay. singing it. We were just celebrating. You know, we, we we had a day with family because we didn't have enough time, a lot of time. But um, it was just unbelievable. And this is the new Honduras, you know. Yeah. This is the Honduras of hope. This is the Honduras that we have recuperated. And you should also remember at the stadium, the, the signs that said, Volvimos, we are back, yeah. Uh, yeah. which meant that this is what we had prior to 2009 during the administration of President Celaya. Honduras was a beautiful place. It was a, it was a place, it was a country that was growing economically. Uh, people were doing well in Honduras. We, we were very happy. You know, that was a happy country. And, and then all of a sudden the coup took away our happiness. It took away many of our friends. It took away family. It separated our families because the political um, <clears throat> scenario that actually erupted from, from the coup also separated us. It separated us between the ones that supported the coup and the ones that didn't support the coup. I have family that uh, up until today, you know, they're still not talking to me. Now they're beginning to call me because they realize that things are getting better there. But um, it took a lot of years for for us as families to um, go back together because this is what coups do. You know, this is what that violence does. It separates the family and um, it separated the Honduran family. And we are going back to that. And it, it, it's really a beautiful thing. We did it. Lo hicimos. Okay, we did it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you've used um, recuperation and going going back to returning to um, I'm looking at the flag over your shoulder, and for our audience, this is a return. The flag physically, the color, the turquoise color of the flag physically embodies recuperation and a return. And maybe you can share with the audience what happened, because yeah. um, this is the original turquoise and the narco dictatorship uh, the flag and the audience may remember the flag was a darker shade of blue and it has now with Shiomara's presidency returned to the original turquoise and that's a profound story to me I mean the, yes. the, the, sim, the sim, symbolism attached with this is yeah. really significant you have to remember that when when Orlando Hernandez got in 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 usurped power when he usurped the power because he never won he, right, right. every time he got in power. Well, first it was um, Micheletti, right? That uh, was put in there by, by Hillary Clinton for six months. And then he, he was taken out. Then um, Porfirio Lobo Sosa was yeah. also put there, uh, inflated, right? And, and he was put in there by Hillary Clinton and then Juan Orlando Hernandez. But when Juan Orlando Hernandez was put there by the United States government, he uh, swore, he swore that he was going to be in power for 50 years. So a lot of the changes that uh, the narco dictatorship did, they did because they literally thought that they were going to be in power for all those years. That includes too changing our presidential house and building this horrible um, buildings in which they, they put their offices and they really prepare for a time almost forever in power. They really literally thought that they were going to be in power forever. So the flag of the uh, of the National Party is blue, right? And it's dark blue and it has one yeah. star. They call it La Estrella Solitaria, the solitary star. 
and it's dark blue. So little by little, they started to also give us a new version of our, of our flag. And the flag became darker and darker, almost to imitate the color of the, uh, the National Party's flag to the point that to us, look, I'm wearing blue now. I'm wearing the blue of my flag now. You see that, right? Yeah. And, and it is because for a long time, I couldn't wear blue. I could mm. not wear blue because we had, we had like this stigma with blue because everything that was blue reminded us of the National Party. And it, it also reminded us of the violence of the National Party. Oh, everything that the coup uh, represented, that color represented too. So one of the first things that Xiomara Castro did when she, <laughs> when she won, right? I mean, she's done so many things in so little time, right? Was actually to, to reclaim the original color of our flag because the turquoise color of our flag actually represents the two oceans that Honduras is surrounded by, the Atlantic and the Pacific Ocean. You know that you can go from one ocean to the next in one day in Honduras? You go across the country and you can be in the Atlantic Ocean in the morning and then you, you can land in the Pacific Ocean. And so the, the, the two blue, is, uh, the two blues in the, in the, uh, in the flag actually represent the, the two oceans. And the five stars represent the five original Central American yeah. countries, right? That, um, that actually uh, got their independence in 1821. So our flag is very symbolic, is very symbolic um, of our territory, right? the, the geography of Honduras, but also of the legacy of General Francisco Morazan, mm. who was our unionist, right? And you have to understand that he, for some time, led the Federation of United Central American Countries. And in our, in our claim for unity, we also look at, always look at Francisco Morazan's legacy, which is similar to Bolivar's legacy of unifying La Gran Colombia. So we dream of a Gran Central America. And um, you know that is actually reflected in the five stars of our flag. So our flag is very, very important. And um, the original colors are very important. And now we're very happy because not only were we able to, to, to reclaim our country back and we're gonna start rebuilding our democracy, it's gonna be a challenge and it's gonna take us many years to do that. But we have also been reclaiming our symbols, the symbols that were kidnapped by the dictatorship. Um, you know, because that's what, that's what dictatorships do. They take everything away from the people. They take the resources, they take their identity, they steal everything from us. And um, in Honduras, we have to, be able to take it back. And Juan Orlando needs to go to prison. He's a criminal, <laughs> he's a criminal. And um, this is a, a, a criminal that committed um, crimes of um, against humanity, and he needs to go to he needs to go to prison. He needs to pay for everything that he did. He, he he won't have enough years of his life to pay, but he needs to be punished. He's a so this is perhaps the next stage um, of of his life of the of Honduran history, and uh, and maybe even the the next thing that the U.S. can actually do in a positive way for, for you and your people. Let's, we've talked about what President Xiomara 
has done with the flag in recuperating a cultural and national um, symbol for Hondurans. Um, what she's done a lot more uh, as well since the 27th, including the evening of the 27th, <laughs> announcing the reestablishment of, um, of diplomacy with Venezuela. <laughs> yeah. The same afternoon. The same, same afternoon, afternoon after she came back. Embassy was reopened. Yeah. So I mean, that way that was like just immediate. The first foreign policy decision was to reestablish relations with Venezuela. Uh, what else has she done in the past? In the past five 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 business days, seven days. <laughs> five since. business days. Yeah. It's true because she yeah. she was um, she was inaugurated seven seven days ago, but it's only been five working days. Right. In the five working days, she's she's done a lot. Uh, there has been already. Um, executive orders, and she has also uh, passed on uh, some legislation to the Congress. And some of the most amazing things, for example, is uh, going back to school yesterday. We started, the, the kids were, you know, the throughout the dictatorship, all the system, the education system, the, the health system, everything in Honduras was collapsed because we, we were living under a complete uh, collapse um, state. It was, it's a collapsed state. It's a collapsed, gov collapsed government. Um, and it was just Juan Orlando and, and his thugs, you know, it was, it was what, whatever Juan Orlando says. And if not, then you have the police and the army to come and repress the people. So the kids, the children really haven't been in school. And of course, we know there's a lot of rebuilding of the schools that need to be done. And there is no money to do that. But the, the people of Honduras, they're willing to help. And you know that we are very we're very we're hardworking people. So Xiomara said the children need to go back to school and the children came back to school yesterday. And not only that, but um, inscription in Honduras for the children hasn't been free. And now uh, school inscription is for free. So that's beautiful. Everybody's happy to go back to school because nobody has to pay to go to school now. So that's amazing, right? That's amazing because we know that uh, the, the sole uh, development of a, of a society lies in its education. So Xiomara values education so much. And the other thing, but you have to remember that th these programs were established during the, the government of President Celaya. So a lot of what she's doing right now is it's just like like the like the like the the sign said, we are back. Right. We are yeah. back and we're picking it up where we left it. Technically right. we're picking it up where we left it with el with el gobierno del poder ciudadano, the, the government of the of the of the the citizenship power. That's how President Celaya's government was called. So um, the other thing that that she reestablished this week was that, you know, practically free electricity for the poor, oh, yeah. the people that cannot afford to pay electricity. In Honduras, um, during President Celaya's administration, not only the poor didn't pay, but they will sometimes get um, some money back if for whatever mm -hmm. reason, they paid uh, energy that they didn't have to pay. They will get their money back. Many people remember, even if they were not part of President Celaya's party, the Liberal Party at the time, but they remember that. I remember during President Celaya's administration how we used to get free energy. So now people are getting free energy. That's that's amazing. Also, um, there is a, there is a law that was already passed this week to start amnesty for the political prisoners, which is wonderful mm -hmm. because under under the dictatorship, people were highly politically persecuted and, and some were put in prison, like, um, you know, people who were on the streets and, 
and uh, they were arrested just for the, for the sake of protesting and they were put in, in these horrendous prisons like criminals. And now there's gonna be amnesty for them. So that's wonderful. We're celebrating that. We're very happy about that. Um, also, this, uh, can I ask, do, do we know if yes. this includes the Guaypanol water defenders? Yes, yes, of course, of mm -hmm. course. Anyone who has been um, registered under COFADES um, archives yeah, as yeah. people who have been politically persecuted and they are registered under COFADES, everyone who has gone through COFADES is going to be um, protected by this new amnesty. Wow. So that is amazing, right? It's amazing. And that includes people who are in the country and outside of the country as well. Because you have to remember that there's a lot of people who fled, they left. But yeah. they are still persecuted in Honduras because they were processed in Honduras, but they were able to escape. So and that can is you very... remind our audience, COFADE is what is who? Is El Comité de Familiares um, Desaparecidos de Honduras. Is the committee for uh, the families of the disappeared Disappear. in Honduras. Yeah. yeah. Great. Yeah. And, and that goes back to the 1980s when in mm -hmm. Honduras, during the, the revolutions in Central America, yeah. Uh, Ronald Reagan established the contrast in Honduras, and that was a time of a lot of persecution in Honduras too. And so COFADE was actually created during the time of the 80s because um, hundreds of people were disappeared in Honduras. They're still yeah. disappeared. And so that committee was, was born um, to raise awareness and to continue the search and to claim justice for those who were disappeared and they were found by, by their by their family members. Actually, Berta Oliva, the, the founder of Cofade, is the wife of one of the disappeared, Tomas Nativi. So mm -hmm. she is the one leading uh, Cofade today. Another thing that, that was passed was um, in, another law, excuse me, not a thing, but another law that was passed this week is a law to condemn the, um, the military coup. So mm -hmm. the coup is history in the making, uh, Honduras, lived under the coup and we are still suffering the consequences of the coup. And we don't call this persecution. This is justice. We feel that the criminals that perpetrate the coup and that killed all our martyrs, they need to be they need to be processed, just like in Bolivia. And, and not to say that we're doing it because Bolivia is doing it. We're doing it because we feel that justice needs to be done for the Honduran people and for the families of the martyrs the people that were that were killed during, during this process. So those are some of the amazing things. Also the, the creation of CC, you know, the, uh, uh -huh. yeah. <laughs> like in Guatemala, they have, um, they have La Masi, right? In Honduras, right. we have CC. So this is gonna be this uh, new um, organism that is tied to the United Nations that, that is going to come in and investigate um, all the crimes that were committed and all the corruption and- Wow. Yeah, so a lot oh, happened. That's huge. Yes, yes. Wow. Oh, so gosh. Xiomara, so what Xiomara is a very it? strong leader, and we're so happy, and, and we are so appreciative of her firmness. You know, she's very firm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And she she is a, is a person, we know she's a leader, that is going to try to do... Um, Try to accomplish, right, her promises in the 100 days because she has a big plan for the for the first 100 days. And in the first five days, she's done so much already. It's just, it's just. Power well, to the women in power. No, it's just a, it's just a phenomenal story of, of, of your country and your people. And I, you know, just to 
um, see, given the violence and the horror that Venice, that Honduras has been through in the last 12 years and to see this transition happen in a peaceful constitutional manner is a huge statement in and of itself. And, um, and, and so beautiful. And it will be so important going forward that that is how the transition happened by peaceful constitutional means and to have the people under her and her government, under her, with her, beside her. I mean, that is gonna be a very, very difficult thing to contest as we saw, you know, the parallel Congress go up against. And fail. So, well, actually, yeah. this is why we, we we didn't make such a big deal about the split in in, in with the Congress issue because we knew that um, if if worse comes to worse, you know, we're there, and if we need to call the people and do direct vote and plebiscite for yeah. what Xiomara yeah. needs to needs to get done, the people are ready. This is like yes. direct yeah. democracy that we have direct we we could have direct democracy in Honduras well, and that's, that's, that's direct participation. Yeah. What could be best than that, right? It's a beautiful thing. And we're still striving for it in the United States 250 years later. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. Direct but, you know, I don't, I don't lose hope. I don't lose hope. I don't lose hope. Keep our fingers crossed for ourselves. So, mm -hmm. Lucy, is there anything, before I let you go, is there anything that you want to share with our audience that we haven't touched upon? I'm so thankful for your time today. Just really such a wonderful conversation and I'm so happy to just celebrate this victory with you. It's just a really great oh, thing. Thank you so much. And thanks to Medea, Compañera Medea for her permanent uh, solidarity and you being always there uh, with us in the program Voices of Resistance. So I wanna invite your audience too, to tune in to our program on Sundays. It's a pretty powerful uh, program that we have, just like your program, where we bring the voices of the people who are on the front line of the struggle. And um, also, you know, to look out for our report backs on yeah. our delegation, because that's gonna be interesting. We're gonna do it both in Spanish and in English. Oh, so great. To, to look after that too. And to keep paying close attention to what is going on in Honduras because although we are in celebration and we know we are in victory and we know the people are very powerful and very strong and they have the power in their hands and Siamara is the symbol of that, that um, we know that the enemy never sleeps and yeah. this, this is going to be a government that is going to be highly attacked because if President Zelaya's administration was attacked because he was looking out for the people of Honduras and he touched the interests of the oligarchy and the ruling elites and you know, the, uh, the economic powers, both inside and outside Honduras, uh, Xiomara is gonna do the same and she's going to start touching the interests of the ruling elites and the powerful. And that could bring uh, similar consequences as well. Yeah. So yeah. we need to continue building our solidarity movement and the solidarity like the one that Code Pink has that Terry Matson brings to all these countries <laughs> in Latin America, sisters and brothers countries. Uh, we're gonna need that. We're gonna need a lot of that too. And but of course, we want people to come to Honduras and celebrate with us. You know the gains and the and the amazing uh, victory and our amazing process. And we continue to grow, right? Uh, politically, we continue to educate ourselves politically and to organize. And if we need to mobilize, we're going to do that. And we're going to do it with, with, the, with the solidarity as well. So 
just to be, uh, to pay close attention to Honduras. Honduras is an amazing place where amazing things are happening. As uh, Comrade Fidel Castro once says, right? In 2009, in Honduras, there's a revolution happening. And we know for yeah. sure there is a revolution happening in Honduras. We're going for bigger things. We might get some of the of the um, accomplishments that we want. We, we might get them uh, in this administration, but we're hoping to, to be in power for more than just one administration and to continue building Honduras um, and to bring it back to being that amazing country in which I was born and raised and, and, and the place where I was so happy. And this is why when, when the coup happened, I became so sad and unhappy that I, I, I worked 24-7 of my life along with my family, my husband, uh, writer and, and journalist Roberto Quesada, and, and our son, Robertito, who was born in the struggle, who was born and raised, but he was raised in the struggle. He was, he was three years old when that could happen, but he was raised in the struggle and, and we all fought together uh, along with the people of Honduras here with the immigrant Honduran immigrant community. And, um, you know, because we needed to, to recuperate our country and it is such an amazing accomplishment that we can yeah, it's we did it. Like Lois yeah. now it's yeah. no longer it's no longer yes we can. Is yes we, we did it. <laughs> we did it. Lois <laughs> We did it. Yeah, we did it. And now we're going to move forward. And that and I think it's so. I'm I'm so thankful you shared this with our audience that you know the work is just starting, and um, our solidarity with you and and the Honduras Honduran people is more important now than ever to, min to ensure that the victory on November 27 is, you know, continues for all of you. And, and not just for Honduras, but for the whole hemisphere. It's such a symbol uh, and important historical event for the, for the, entire, for the entire hemisphere. So it's, um, I'm just so thankful you had time to talk today. I just, <laughs> Thank you so much. Life. And uh, come, come back to our program too. You, um, yes, please, please, because you're you're an amazing analyst, and we always, you know, yeah. we appreciate your analysis so much. And well, I love your program. You know, I love being, I love being on the air with all of you. So <laughs> let me just remind the audience that uh, Lucy's program is Voices of Resistance, and it airs on WBAI at New York City every Sunday at one p.m. Eastern, and it's now a two-hour program. Correct? Yes, yes, yeah. it's good studying this year. Yes, yeah, it's really great. All of you will really enjoy the conversation and and the guests that she has on. And every once in a while, I'm lucky enough to be a guest and on rare occasion a co-host. So <laughs> it's yes. taught me everything I know about doing this program. <laughs> so. You're amazing too, thank you. <laughs> so be sure to catch What the F is Going On um, in Latin America and the Caribbean, Code Pink's weekly YouTube program, typically broadcasting on Wednesday evening, 7.30 p.m. Eastern. And also be sure to catch Code Pink Radio, which broadcasts on WBAI as well, out of New York City, WPFW out of Washington, D.C., Thursday mornings, 11 a.m. Eastern. So, and both programs, uh, can be found on Apple Podcast and wherever you find your podcasts. So, so thank you, Lucy. We'll we'll thank we'll talk too. again because I yes. definitely we want to keep in touch with what's going on in Honduras and stand with all of you as you create, you know, a new future for yourselves. It's just such a beautiful story. I'm so happy for all of you. And thank, thank you, you so for including and the <laughs> same, the same, you know, because, you know, our struggle is internationalist and uh, yeah, is. we believe yeah. that uh, justice 
should be everywhere, you know, yeah. everywhere. Mm -hmm. So a beautiful example. Thank you so much. I want to reach out and give you a hug. Oh, thanks a lot. Me too. Good night, everyone.